0: Hi, and welcome to The Compass, the podcast documenting the struggles of life as an artist. I'm Leah Walsh. My guest today is Erica Badgley. She is a dancer who I met through my dear friend Jenna Pollock, who was on episode 46. Erica has recently come back to the States after studying and dancing in Europe, and she was kind enough to share some of her experiences and challenges in doing that. We recorded this interview over Skype, since she's at home in Seattle right now. Erica sent me a few thoughts after we had recorded, so I just wanted to include those here. She said that writing is a big outlet for her, it's something she does more privately but is trying to push herself to do publicly, especially to communicate her experiences abroad and the differences she sees between American and European dance, in order to bridge what she calls the Atlantic divide between the two communities. She has a blog, which she started for her first trip overseas after graduation in 2011, when she says she knew nothing and was blindly feeling her way around. But she decided last year it would be cool to keep those old posts and start adding new ones to it as well. If you'd like to check it out, you can find it at www.dancingacrossborders.blogspot.com. I hope you enjoyed the 62nd episode of The Compass.
1: That's a great question. Um, because I think right now I kind of am on the dark side. Um, I just got back from Europe and, uh, my visa expired sort of unexpectedly and I had to deal with that. So, um, uh, my life kind of got the brakes put on it and, um, yeah. So right now I'm living in the dark side and just letting myself live there, letting myself question everything and see if this is what I really want to do because I think that's what the dark side is, is when you say am I really supposed to be doing this, Um, is there something else Um, and so yeah I'm just giving myself that space to see if that little voice is like yes I, I really do want to do this or if it's like no I want to express myself in a different way I mean, being in Seattle has been great because there's so much nature here and that's really revitalizing for me. Um,
0: And are you with your family right now?
1: Yeah, I'm very lucky to have a very supportive family and that lives in a beautiful place. And I've always been going to the mountains since I was a kid. So it's like something I can't really do without. Um, And that was hard living in a city like Brussels where I just was. I was in Salzburg before, which is like a small town and nestled in the foothills of the Alps and very beautiful. So I was also in school. Most of that time I had a friend group and everything. So it made life easier to deal with difficulties. Um, but yeah, so for me, when the dark side comes, if I can even just find sort of a shaft of sunlight on the street, If I'm in a city with no trees and I just can sit there and drink my kombucha or whatever it is. <laughs> and, you know, just, uh, take a moment to remember the natural world that I'm from. It sounds really hippie, but it's, uh, it's grounding for me. Yeah. I think previous times in the dark side, when I feel like creeping up or just had a small setback or failure, I, um, sort of pushed through and, almost rush forward to say, okay, what's the next thing that I can do? What, what can I apply for? What other audition can I do? What solo should I be making? Like,
0: right. How can you uh, be productive?
1: Exactly. And, um, yeah, but without giving myself the space to reevaluate and see maybe what went wrong or why didn't I succeed in a certain situation. So maybe actually pushing forward too quickly, and leading to the next difficulty or dark side, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, so I think I'm learning that the moments that I can step back, even a little bit. Now I'm taking a big step back, but um, right, it, it makes a difference. So yeah, so you're I'll really see.
0: you're really in that place of reevaluating right now.
1: Yeah, I would say uh, yes, because I think if you imagine a life without what you love to do or what you've told yourself you love to do and everyone has told you you love to do since you were a little kid, then you get to figure out if you really want it or not. Or, of course, I think some part of us does and always will want that thing, but maybe it fits into our life in a different way than we expected. Maybe we're not gonna be this big famous star or um, work for a huge company which by the way a lot of people end up being unhappy doing so you know maybe there's there's another way um that it can be a part of your life that's that's even better than before and just kind of need to take the space to figure out what that is so really stepping back being a normal person is actually super nice also (laughs) you get to like kind of relax from the stress of i need to be like um doing some great artistic thing, like, now or within the next month. I mean, my friend is writing a novel. She's been living in a small town for two years, literally just writing and giving herself time to, like, not finish a novel. And her perspective on time is just so much bigger than mine. I mean, she's like, maybe in two more years I'll think about going to grad school. I was like, you know, that's four years of living in a cabin in a small (laughs) town, you know, and I'm like worried that I'm one year out of a postgraduate without anything, you know, it's just, it's just really different. Yeah, Um, that is interesting.
0: That is weird how our perception of time can be so different. Yeah. And especially for dancers, since I know like the physical body has, as you get older, certain limitations. And I know that the dancers I've known you like you have to think of different stages of your career yeah like kind of what you want to do at different ages um yeah so yeah I can imagine that your sense of time is much faster
1: yeah the pressure is on but at the same time I found that people love experience if you're over 30 people in some ways actually really prefer it I went to Europe when I was 21 for the first time like full of optimism and auditioning around and people were like, you're 21, you're so young, like calm down. (laughs) And, um, you know, youth has its benefits of course, but there's a lot of experience and maturity that is just so visible in an older dancer. And that honestly people really want. So I think I've calmed down a little bit in, in that respect and been like, all right, People dance till they're, I you know, till they die. Some of them. I mean, I know there's a lot of examples of that. I I made a mistake the other day of meeting. I don't know how old she is, but um, a more senior dancer who has kind of gray hair, and I was like, you know, how was it back in your heyday? And she's like, I'm still in my heyday. I'm still <laughs> dancing, performing, teaching, choreographing, traveling around the world. And I said, "Oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm so that I said that. I just wanted to know what it was like before I was born." But uh, right, the, <laughs> her point was that That's a great point. yeah, you can, you can still do this for a really long time, actually. And the idea that you can only do it when you're young—it's—it's it's making you rush unnecessarily, maybe. Do you uh,
0: think, from your experiences, that that? appreciation of maturity is something that's different in Europe as opposed to the United States?
1: Mm, It's a good question. Um, Probably a little bit, yes. I mean, there's a major stylistic difference in dance. Um, uh, Here we prioritize young athletic bodies that can do make beautiful lines and um, over there they're a little bit more into the natural human look. I mean, it really varies. In the bigger companies, it's kind of the same as here. Um, but in the more um, independent scene, I would say that definitely uh, people don't really care about this, this perfect God-like uh, <laughs> being on stage. They just want someone who's really genuine So you can have almost no dance experience and they love you. That's actually really frustrating because it seems like the less dance training you have, the better you can do over there, because the more unique you are and the more you sort of searched for your own style. Um, and I mean, I've fallen into a more, mm, how do I say, I don't know a different scene than people from say Juilliard who are going to Europe, maybe end up in, um, But it's a really big scene there, whereas with with styles that just don't end up in America for whatever reason. And that's why I decided to go over there. It's more acrobatic and um, mm, raw, animalistic, theatrical, all of the above. And, yeah, I felt like there was more possibility to be myself maybe over there um, instead of having to fit into this sort of machine that... Um, machine dancer that a lot of um, companies here seem to desire. So
0: when did you um, first head over there or um, or move there permanently, I guess? In
1: 2014, August 2014, I went there to start the program in Salzburg, which is a small school, but it's become pretty well-known and international. Um, started by actually a Merce Cunningham dancer ironically who fell in love with a German man Germany's just across the border from Austria and you know through a series of life events ended up making a school and now it's pretty cutting edge looks nothing like Cunningham anymore Um, it's really up to date with what's happening in Europe which is super cool Um, Salzburg Experimental Academy of Dance is the name and I went there kind of, because I just wanted a visa, <laughs> and because I uh, it was a company year, so I was going to meet some up-and-coming choreographers, make work with them, tour it around, um, so it was a way to make connections as well, and get introduced to the scene, and yeah, it definitely did all of those things on some level. Um,
0: How long was the program?
1: Just one year long, so yeah, it was a really great experience a really special place. Um, like the students are working super hard from like the early morning to late into the night of their own choice, which is just crazy. The schedule is already crazy. And then they stay to do their own thing cause they want to do their own practice afterwards. So I'm like, props to all of them. Um, yeah, I started out seeing it as just, a sort of jumping off point for me to then go to auditions in Europe or go back to Brussels, which was my ultimate goal. I had had a really good summer in Brussels the months before doing workshops and making my own solo in this avant-garde studio. And I said, okay, like Brussels is where it's, excuse me, Brussels is where it's at. You can kind of make your own work there. And there's really famous companies there. But then the more time I spent in, the, in Salzburg, the more time I realized how much I needed to work on personally. Um, I mean, I was working for the first time with a larger group of dancers um, in Seattle. I had been working with maximum like four dancers on stage. So we were in a larger group in the company. And it was all improvised. The first piece, basically, wow, um, structured, very, very structured. But I had not—well, that's not true. i had improvised on stage before, but by myself, <laughs> not with seven people. Um, and we were under these stark, bright lights on a white floor, and I felt like a bug in a <laughs> under a magnifying glass. I was totally freaked out and nervous. Both of those shows. And I remember being on stage like, I'm failing so hard right now. Like, this is just, this is so incredibly hard. What am I doing? And which was kind of, you know, negative on my, my mental state, but I think it was also just such a shock compared to what I had been doing, which was all very set material, um, in a context where people knew me and I felt really good about my abilities. And here I was just being sort of challenged on all possible levels and, you know improvising on a stage is something I love to do right. um, but it's also a big risk so yeah that year was a really good a good challenge for me and it made me sort of turn inward rather than just looking outward for the next opportunity I mean I was doing that as well auditions and things but just being at the school seeing how hard the students worked on improving their own technique and saying, okay, what's my own technique that I need to work on? I mean, I almost wish I had had another year there because um, I was just, I was getting random training around our um, rehearsals because we rehearse most of the day and then we can take classes with the rest of the students when there's time. And I would like fight to take as many classes as I could because it's just really different training. And uh, yeah, I was like, wow, I have so much to learn. And I just, I could stay another year here. It's really really great um i think i think that relates to the dark side as well for me um when i feel like i'm in the dark side i sort of look for better or worse to see what i lack or what more training i could get honestly because as a contemporary dancer you're supposed to be able to do everything and um but also sort of seeking that deep wisdom that Maybe you feel you didn't get in a previous technique, and another technique is going to show you, um, and something you see other people doing these really beautiful things that are just different from what you do, and you're like, all right, I want to, I want to learn how to do that. So I think watching my life trajectory and how many times I've changed location or you know looked for a new, a new thing, it's, it's a lot of times actually, gone from really classical ballet to rolling on the floor, which was really hard for me, by the way, when I was 21, hmm. to doing breakdance, to, yeah, I mean, now looking more at martial arts and that kind of thing. So it's a big trajectory.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's kind of just... hard to know, like, um, when it is something that like, oh, I, I didn't realize I have this, this door I need to open in myself or this vulnerability that I need to explore, or when it's just exploring someone else's strength, you know, even if you don't necessarily have a, a desire to do it or a concentration or a, um, a calling to do it. Right. It's like both at the same time.
1: Totally. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean.
0: When you got out of the program, how did you end up feeling? Were you really back in the groove of being like, okay, I want to go out and audition and find these opportunities? Kind of like when you had moved there, or were you like, okay, I need <laughs> I need some reflection and I want to keep learning?
1: Um. Yeah, it's a good question. The, the program didn't really end for me in a way because we, the company sort of kept touring a little bit into the next fall. And then we also, the, the, the first year company, three of us were invited to join the next year, but as professionals, because now we had graduated oh. for um, a professional project um, that. Yeah, so we were basically hired onto this project, but it included the new students for the next year's company. So,
0: but they had full time and like employed dancers as well. uh,
1: Yeah, yeah, that was us three. (laughs) Um, So it was it was a really nice cushion to leaving school because I could stay in Salzburg and I could still train at the school as part of our payment, kind of, and then have this project with. Um, some choreographers from Brussels, actually, conveniently. Um, And so that was six months straight out of school that were really nice because there was less pressure of school, but still the same support system and people. And Salzburg is beautiful in the fall. It's really gorgeous. Um, So, I mean, yes, auditions were on my mind. It's not really the season then so much. Um, Is part of the thing. But more in my mind was what's happening after these six months. And I said, okay, I'm going to go to Brussels. Like I'm going to go to the center where things are happening. A lot of people said, you know, it's kind of like New York where everyone goes there and, you know, if only a few people can necessarily succeed. Like it, it kind of maxes out It because Brussels was really big in the 80s and 90s. And now um, some people think that it's like sort of eclipsed. And so I think I wasn't really forced to reevaluate right after school so much. Of course I, you know, took in the year, but I was more just relieved to be done with some things and moving on. Um, I did start creating a duet with my friend and also roommate. We lived together in one room for a year in two different cities, so in order to save rent, so we're pretty cool, I have to say. Props to us for that. Like, um, it's good to have a support system, but you know, you're you're sharing a space, um, yeah. which is hard. Um, but we also started creating some work together and trying to, um, yeah, no matter what would happen with auditions or other work opportunities, um, have something that we could do. And that hasn't gone very far yet, but it's still processing in my mind because it's a concept that I, I feel is really rich, and and it's not done yet. So, yeah, I think that I was just going forward. I was just pushing forward and thinking something is going to happen. So I, like, in a very chaotic way, after finishing the project in Salzburg, just, like, got myself and all my stuff to Brussels between two auditions and like you know landed there in a in a uh, flat that I had just discovered and that I was gonna share again with my friend from Salzburg and uh, found myself a job teaching gyrotonic which is kind of like yoga it's something that I'm certified in and helps sustain me basically and I uh, said, all right, I'm going to set up my life here and, and things are going to work out. But, yeah, a lot of things got in the way after that. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they really, my body, I think, kind of forced me to slow down. My body said, you know, you, you're you not doing something right. You're not." I wasn't able to keep training as hard when I was mm-hmm. moving and when I was dealing with life stuff. So I think then when I would go back, it kind of rebelled against me had some like small injuries but then also a big health problem. So it was like a big in my face. Like you need to slow down. Um, you're pushing through, you're not really taking time to look at um, or reevaluate like like I'm doing now. And how did you, yeah.
0: did you how did you deal did with you that without a full like support, support system support in Brussels? Brussels?
1: Wow, that's a good question. It was hard because it did happen right after I got to Brussels. It was like, "And you need to go to the hospital." Um, so luckily, I did know quite a few people in Brussels, like the choreographers who had come to Salzburg. So, like one of them had a car so they could drive me to when I needed to or my new boss was really supportive. Like I I was living with great people. Like I was I was pretty well taken care of surprisingly, for being in a new place. Like, I, I felt pretty lucky. Um, it wasn't easy, for sure, because I was just grabbing in the dark. What's the best thing to do? I don't know. I go with the first option, because I don't know what's happening to me. But, um, yeah, I the people that I had were really... They they really helped me out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Europe, you know, like the the... The healthcare is cheaper. It's not cheap, but it is cheaper. So, if you have an emergency,
0: that on, on like a more technical level, once you were that's done with the program in Salzburg, how did you work out as a freelancer, like your visa, your health insurance?
1: Right. Yeah, that's that's another whole thing. I mean, technically, I was still living in Salzburg according to people. Mm-hmm. Um, I I applied for an artist visa in Salzburg right after school which I did manage to get pretty easily because in the office they were really nice I had one contract you're supposed to add up to 11,000 dollars sorry euros worth of contracts in a year in advance which is very hard to do as a freelancer so they didn't require me to do that though because the guy was pretty nice and because I had a contract and a lot of letters saying that they wanted to work with me it was enough um, this year, that was not the case. When I went back, they had a new person who was very strict, and I lost my visa in a pretty dramatic way. Um,
0: yeah.
1: But, I mean, dramatic for me. I wasn't expecting it. Um, right. right. Anyway, so I had this artist visa, and it, yeah, I stayed in Salzburg for six months, so I felt like it was fine for me to be in Brussels for a while. Um, you're allowed to work in other parts of the EU. So I was like, well, I was back and forth a lot, but I was more in Brussels than in Salzburg for the last, for the second six months of my, of my visa. So that was also a little difficult because you, you know, all your paperwork's going to a house in, in Salzburg, and then you need to have your friend send you a copy of it in Brussels, and you feel a little, you know, I wanted to switch to the Brussels visa. I really did, because I said, I don't feel you know, good about this. Also, like I'm coming internationally and I say I'm based out of Austria and I was, but now I'm like changing my life plan. So I'm sort of trying out another place in Europe, Right. you know, that's, that's not the place that's officially my residence. And I mean, it wasn't illegal, but it was, you know, a little uncomfortable for me personally. Yeah. You Um, don't, you don't want to feel worried all the time. Exactly, exactly. You feel yeah. like you're not you don't belong in the place where you're currently living and that's you know, most people or some people are really fine with that, but I like to kind of follow the rules. <laughs> so um yeah, and I I could have started working on the Brussels visa sooner, but I just I had a project I thought in Austria in August and so I said, All right, you know, I'll keep I'll try to get my austrian visa for another year also the tax system is better so like wherever i work it's better to have myself based in austria because belgium the tax system and the bureaucracy and the three languages make it one of the worst places to deal with visas or taxes or anything in europe but uh so i was going to try to keep my austrian visa but uh yeah it was just impossible it was interesting moving to Brussels and then having to for the first time deal with my Austrian health insurance, but in Brussels, which is not so fluid as you might think. Um, it's not just like I have a card I can use everywhere. Um, but it, it did, it did work out. Okay. So
0: if you were to go back now, do you think you would go to Brussels or would you try out a different city?
1: Yeah, that's part of the (laughs) reevaluation. Yeah. Brussels was not the easiest. Um, like all this, also the weather surprised me that it really, it was not nice for me and the pollution, um, and feeling there is nature around, like, I just have to take a train to it. So, um, and if you don't have time, you don't do that. I think it's great when you have time to train and, but when you don't and you're just mm, trying to survive making money, um, it's, it becomes more difficult. Um, and less inspiring. When I was first there, it was sunny. I was just like taking workshops the whole day, working on my own stuff, not working. And that's really different than when you're working somewhere. Um, I guess that can be true of anywhere, but especially if you realize the actual city environment, is not your favorite. You're like, all right, well, if I'm going to be working this hard, maybe I should do it somewhere that's beautiful or that that feeds me in another way. At the same time, I have a lot of friends there. I think it's a great place to see a lot of different kinds of art all the time. And to also be exposed to a lot of avant-garde things. Um, and it's small. So, you know, when you go out, it's, uh, there's definitely places to go out and at the same time it's compact. And I, I think that's, actually nice in the city that you can have the small and the big in one kind of.
0: I know that you can just kind of get in with the scene a lot faster probably because you can probably get to know everyone much more quickly. Yeah,
1: that that was exactly the thing that I thought. Um, And you do get to know people really fast. Um, But in terms of getting in, in as an artist, I think it's actually much harder. It takes, I've heard like up to three years I mean, it's also pretty dominated by the school there that's called Parts. Um, it's mm. the Rosa Rosas school. Um, so all of their graduates pretty much stick around and they're like, they already have a big network. People know them, people know the school, so that helps a lot. I'm not saying their lives are easy either, but, you know, it does help. Um, so people can end up knowing who you are. But breaking in in terms of getting a residency or getting all of these kind of things, getting funding, it's really, really hard, actually. So I actually started, because of that, to try to make an artist commons with some other people. Um, There was a studio that was going under, and uh, the guy who was running it was like, all right, I want to do this with some other people and try to make sort of a cooperative situation. So after my... Austrian visa expired and I was on a tourist visa officially not working I said all right I'm ready I'll throw myself into this this sounds good um supports what I want which is an ability to make and present my own work no matter if someone knows me or not um in a city that's where a lot's happening so yeah I spent three months kind of trying to make that happen um which was A cool experience it was definitely hard running a studio is really hard it's a lot of administration it's (laughs) a lot of computer work um and I found myself doing less and less in the studio as a result of all of that I mean also the building needed work and there's all the like logistic things that you don't want to deal with Right. Um, right but yeah it was uh it was a good effort let's say um and I left in the middle of it because I had to come back to the U.S. Uh, but I think they're still going. If they let the space go, they'll keep going as a group, I think. So we'll we'll find a way somehow. But
0: Have you kept in touch with a lot of your friends from Europe while you've been home?
1: It's been a pretty short time. It's only been a month. Uh, okay. So, I mean, yes, for sure. I've sent some lines back and forth, but it's not... To the big like, oh my gosh, you've been gone so long. We need to catch up thing yet, right. you know. Um, but I still, I really feel them there, and I feel them rooting for me, which is really nice. I have to say, um, it's it's one of those things where you you know people are there for you whether you talk or not, and or maybe they'll just be a little comment on a photo on Facebook like I miss you or whatever that comes comes up often enough that you're like, all right, it's not like I've disappeared off the face of the earth for. For people Um, and I think that's one of the most beautiful things about being over there I have to say that I wasn't necessarily expecting was just how many friends and how many great people that I met and how many cultures I got to know on a deep level that I wasn't I just didn't know I wasn't expecting Um, people operate really differently from different places and maybe that's obvious, uh, but when you spend more than a year with those kind of people, you start to really get them in another way. And um, they, show you, they show you something else. Um, and some of those, yeah, those people are really, they, they're just really fun and beautiful people. I'm so happy to have them in my life. Um, and I think no matter what, that will, that will stay with me. Um, no matter what I decide to do next or do with my life. And you know, you never know, maybe that becomes the next thing that you do. It's your friendships that come out of school. If there's nothing else that you get, it's yeah. that, and you never know what that is going to build, which, um, that's true. is a pretty cool thing. Um, that's stronger than just going to a bunch of auditions or applying for something on your own. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really, really happy about that. Can I ask uh,
0: how many languages you spoke when you went over there and how many you speak now and how you dealt with the different language barriers? I know as a dancer, you already have that that language to communicate in, but...
1: <laughs> well, most people don't understand that language, so... <laughs> yeah, most people are like, oh, I, I think I get that language. <laughs> um, I spoke Spanish going over there, not fluently, but definitely well enough to get by. The thing is, as a dancer, you're in an international context, so you're almost always speaking English. So I would like to say that I learned European English going over there. (laughs) 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 I came back with an accent. I still say things weirdly sometimes in the wrong order or Mm -hmm. this instead of that, whatever. Um, Yeah, but most people also want to practice their English with you, so... As much as I would want to practice my Spanish, because there's a lot of Spanish-speaking people in the dance world, uh, they mostly want to speak English with me. (laughs) So, But my Spanish did improve, I would say. Um, I did not really learn German, because you're just in school all day. I went committed to learning some German, and I just hated the language at first. Mm -hmm. Um, But I actually left really liking it, because you get used to hearing it every day, just in, you know not in classes, but in the grocery store or wherever. I made some Austrian friends outside of school. I, yeah, I just started to fall in love with parts of the culture and the language became sort of comforting to me in a weird way. Even though people think German's ugly, I actually think it's quite beautiful. Um, And I want to learn it. I I faked my way through some conversations pretty well. i proud of myself about that (laughs) because it's just English in the wrong order with a different, you know, slightly different words in in a German (laughs) way sounds kind of like Shakespeare to me quite honestly Um, and then yeah, there's the French that I should probably be learning, but I just you know, I was like, all right, too many languages, I can't learn them that fast you know, Um, I also improvise my French when needed, when teaching, Mm. which is you know, ballet gives you some verbs that you can work with, plie, tendu, fondu, you know, just learn arm, leg, and head, spine, and you yeah. kind of can guide people pretty well.
0: Yeah, when did, um, you, when did you get involved with uh, gyrotonics and getting certified for that?
1: That was a long time ago. Yeah. That um, started back in San Francisco at the school that uh, your friend Jenna and I went to. I was, you know, we get certified or on the way to certification as part of the Lions Ballet program, which is pretty cool. Um, I was, um, I did a bit more than other people in my first two years because I had a a small injury that took me out. So I was doing a lot of gyro instead of uh, dancing. And I actually just improved my dancing when I came back extremely. And so I was like, all right, there's something to this. Um, So I went for the certification after and I've been certified since like, a long time since 2010. Um, so yeah, it's supported me pretty much like whenever I am not making anything dancing, which is most of the time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's great that you have a, a, a day job or a, a talent that you can use that's still connected to your work.
1: Yeah. That's, that's really cool. I that's great. Say. It's, um, I mean sometimes it's exhausting because people come and they, just want you to lead them. Like they're people that are super high powered normally or they're like, you know, they've got their their day job where they gotta tell people what to do or and they come to you like beautiful children almost and they just want to be carried in your hands and carried into healing and happiness. It's you know, it's kind of beautiful to see adults become vulnerable like that, you know? And I'm like, I'm so much younger, like and you trust me. I mean, you should, but it's, it's, it's really amazing, um, experience actually helping people that way. That's definitely a part of my career that I'm sure will get bigger and maybe eventually take over if I, um, need to go another way. But right now I'm not ready to just do that. I think I would, it's, it's also exhausting. And sometimes you feel like, well, where, where's my creative outlet in this? I mean, you can get creative with how you teach people and how you, um, like think of different ways to access their system to change, uh, movement patterns. But, uh, like in terms of a creative outlet, it's not, it's not quite the same as arts or expressing yourself through dancing. Um, yeah, but it's been really good to have for sure.
0: (laughs) how has your family taken to you being an artist your whole life? Like your choice to be an artist as a career?
1: Well, they've been really supportive and actually they've always encouraged me to do it. Um, I mean, there was a point, like I said, back when I was in school that I considered, you know, I I had the injury back in university and I said, all right, maybe this is a moment that I should go do something else. I also have kind of a science mind on my shoulders as well. It's kind of, battles my artist mind sometimes so i said all right maybe i should just divert and go some totally other direction and they actually were like you know you should probably keep doing this art thing like we think you're an artist you're the zaniest weirdest one in the family like you gotta deal with that <laughs> you know you we don't think you'll be happy doing something else which i mean i think they're realizing that i i i can also be good in, in a <laughs> 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 but uh, in some ways, they were almost too encouraging. I would say, like they they really said, "Go for it!" And um, but I think whatever I decided to do, they would they would support it. It's just that they saw the performer in me was there, and they were like, you know, don't don't give up on that right away. And yeah, so I'm I'm really lucky in how and having a family that's got my back in a lot of ways. Um,
0: Do you have any other creatively-minded members of your family?
1: um, I mean, in their own ways, but they're all pretty much scientists and (laughs) engineers and stuff. So, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, my grandfather was an architect. That's kind of, like, the closest we've gotten. Um, But, I I mean, they have, for sure, artistic or creative sides to them, but in terms of career choices and like where their interest goes, it's mm-hmm. really a lot more analytical. So that's for sure. Part of me that, you know, influences my perception of what I do actually. Um, and how it fits into the world in a larger sense, uh, and how I can relate to people who are not artists because my family is just not artists and I want them to be connected because when they like something, or they feel affected by something they don't have to like it but if they get really affected I I love that and that's why I'm doing what I do so
0: right
1: actually being able to access those people or build the bridge between um between artists and normal people that's the point of art in my opinion I'm not into being abstract or um cha- I mean challenge people yes but touch them is much more important
0: yeah, and you, you don't want to be performing only for other
1: artists. No, yeah, really, really not. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a place for that. There's a place for certain experiments, but ultimately, we need to get back to the people. That's my, that's my thing. Is
0: there anything from the last couple of years that you're really proud of that you want to tell me about? Like a lesson you've learned? It can be something small. Yeah, I would say to be
1: humble. Um, I've definitely gotten that in the last year. Um, it's so easy. We flip between I'm the best to like, oh my god, I'm the worst. I think, as yeah. artists, a lot. <laughs> um, and we end up in situations where we just have more training or somehow are the top of the heap, and other situations where we're like in the middle or the bottom. And I think it just shouldn't matter where you are in relation to other people, it shouldn't influence. Um, your perception of yourself and I think that's really really hard because we all want to get better and improve so when we see something that's really good we want to like be as good as that Uh, but it's also if you feel like superior or you feel that you like how could that person go in and quit or decide or make a decision that um I don't know, or not train enough or something. And then when life happens to you and you say, ah, oh, that's how that's how they could end up stopping or that's how they could end up changing courses, you say, you know, what we do is hard and um, the, the only competition is really with yourself. So be humble. Everyone uh-huh. <laughs> has their situation. Everyone has their shit and you do too. So... Yeah, especially from this year, I think that's been my, my biggest lesson. Yeah. Lesson, what am I proud of? I don't know if those – I guess those go together. Um, but I think I'm proud that I just always went for what I wanted to do. I moved across the Atlantic because I said, you know, I, I just have to be there. Like, have to. I knew it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think I still want to go back, and that drive is – Yeah, I I think I'm proud of that drive. Yeah, that's
0: great. So are you starting to plot uh, various routes you could get back to another visa?
1: Yeah, I'm actually planning on turning in an application today or tomorrow. Um, It's just a lot of papers to print and sign. (laughs) Um, Yeah, for, for Belgium, you have to apply from your home country. So I had to come home, even like other... Austrian visa aside to apply for Belgium, I had to come back here. So I'm just finishing those papers now and I'm sending them in as an independent contractor, which will be a really hard route with a lot of taxes um, and requires me to work as a JAR instructor quite a lot. Um, so I'm not sure if it's the best option, but it does give me the option to like be independent without needing a work visa from a company um, mm-hmm. and be able to do my own thing basically. Be in charge of my own life while I'm over there um, at the same time like I said I think it's not the easiest way to go um yeah you know I could go to Berlin and get an artist visa the only problem was that with that is then you're only allowed to make money doing art so most people end up doing operas right which is not necessarily what I want to do either so I'd, I'd rather teach in, in that case Yeah. Um, and lastly I just learned there's like an American Netherlands treaty Dutch-American Dutch treaty of some kind that makes it a lot easier for you to go start your own self-employed business there. I haven't, I haven't looked into it, but for anyone listening who's an artist thinking of going over there, I think it sounds like a good option. Um, it's, it's called Daft, I think, which is kind of funny. <laughs> Dutch-American friendship treaty. And yeah, you do need to put down like 5,000 euros, which is a lot, but... You just put that down in front and say, "Look, I have this to start my business," and then you kind of show up, and they don't ask you to prove that you're going to benefit the region, which most visas will ask you to prove how you are beneficial and why they should take you, which is <laughs> very interesting to write. Why I'm <laughs> why I'm going to help out Belgium, but um, anyway, so I, I have sort of a let's say a three pronged approach at this moment. Gotcha. Um, Yeah, people talk about getting married, but I think that's, you know. That's a drastic step. A drastic step. I mean, I did get five marriage proposals around the election. Just, just, that's a funny side note. Um, Who wanted, like, who wanted to come to America? Yeah, let's get married, you
0: know? Oh, to help you. Good. I was going to say, who would want to come here with Trump getting elected?
1: Or, like, can I get married so I can vote? I was like, that's going to take too long before you can vote. But, uh, no, but, like, Really, friends that wow. were like, "No, I would do that for you." And I was like, "Wow, that's, that's...
0: very sweet. I it, know. <laughs> it is going to be a troubling, a troubling time for you to be back in the states come January twentieth,
1: yeah, I think it is i'm I'm interested to see what happens because I think maybe it will cause us to fight back in a way that we we wouldn't realize we had to, actually. like yeah. there are a lot of things we need to fight for. So now it just makes it obvious maybe that's, that's a good thing
0: how are yeah. you keeping in shape while you're at home I'm always curious how dancers can afford to like do classes right. and like keep at the high the high level you need to be at
1: yeah uh, right now I don't want to take dance classes pretty much is my thing it's yeah. also the classes here are just super different which is not a bad thing it's just not necessarily right. what I want I for personal training I just I run and then I go to the park and I do weird stuff that make people stop their dogs walking. <laughs> like, what is she doing? Um, which I find super liberating. I love being outside and doing it in my sneakers. I'm like, it's kind of like more of the break dancer way. I would not claim to be a breaker at all, but, um, I, there's something really liberating about that and not needing a studio. In fact, the studio sometimes makes you go introverted and think too much and not really just work. Um, I can also do Jaro to stay in shape and I've been, my money is going more towards um, taking martial arts classes now, I think, cause I think there's so much power that you can get from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But strengthening and just, also, self-defense is nice aspect of it, mm-hmm. um, but from your center that I think could influence dancing in a lot of ways. I've taken so many dance classes in my life, I'm kind of like, you know what, I don't need yeah. to always be doing those steps. I, yeah, I've had that mentality for a while now. So whenever I do go back to, for example, a ballet class, it is harder than it used to be. I will admit that (laughs) it's finally harder. I mean, I have to say I took off ballet off and on for three years. Like I would go away for like long periods and come back and it was totally fine. So I said, all right, I'm fine. But I think after the three years now, it's finally hard, Um, which is a good reminder. And I, you know, the skills are still there. So they just need a little bit of work to get them back. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think we can be pretty independent. if We don't need a studio. We don't need classes. We can teach ourselves. It's just we're sort of like trained to think Yeah. we do. <laughs> I mean, it also takes self-discipline, which I struggle with sometimes. Does, <laughs> I say. Yes. So to make yourself run farther or to do the next set of push-ups or whatever it is. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not easy.
0: Two more questions, and then okay. I, I will let you go because I've, I've held you for a long time. If you are like in the dark place and having a day where you're feeling uninspired and such, um, are there any concrete things that you reach for again and again as this siren goes by my window? <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: well, like I like a that was happening a lot. Sirens.
0: <laughs> like a a book or a specific place you go or music you listen to or whatever.
1: Hmm, that's a really good question. I really like to read things written by artists. Oftentimes they're writers also, because writers write, so <laughs> um, then they also write about their own process. Um, and yeah, so reading Rilke or recently reading Italo Calvino and their reflections on what makes good art or what makes a good artist um it's really reconnecting I mean Rilke always says like we're trying to go back to the original source of our inspiration to do what we love to do and I don't know that's that's pretty grounding for me
0: yeah zooms you
1: out a little bit yeah after a hard day sometimes you just need a good cry too you know that's also true (laughs) (laughs) it's specifically the hard day good cry or just go out for a walk Clear your head. Oftentimes being able to see far really helps me. Like in mm-hmm. Brussels I would go up on this hill, make sure I could see far that when the sun sets, there's a great view. And you're like, okay, this is why I'm here, you know? Yeah. I'm yeah.
0: The world is bigger than just the inside of my brain.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and then the last question is, have you seen anything lately of any art form that you wanna recommend
1: well I would say Manchester by the Sea is a really good movie I know people have been saying that um, but yeah it was just really simple and beautiful how they captured everyday moments so realistically in all of their awkwardness mm. um, so I was really impressed by that movie and I saw it in a small town theater which made it even more fun Yeah, um, and appropriate to the movie um, and then locally, I have to say, I just saw like I don't even know if you would call it a drag show or if you call it a burlesque show, it was kind of everything in between, holiday show called Homo for the Holidays in Seattle. And yeah, I mean, they're all amazing. I'm just so impressed about how much a burlesque artist must have to practice to take off their clothes so precisely and catch things, and like, yeah, everything just works out. I'm like, wow, that. That is right <laughs> if it's
0: done well, it can be so amazing.
1: Just so incredible. And then the drag artist, like the, the head MC, like she, who is, you know, a he under all of the makeup is just so believable. Like does such an excellent job. And I, it just makes you fall in love. So precise with the language. So precise with how she presents herself and the body language. I just am like blown away. Um, awesome so that was just cool to see something. <laughs> I mean that's really big in Seattle so it's not something that I do personally but it's something I really admire yeah totally um, yeah wonderful um, well thank you so thank much for you. doing this yeah thanks for having me
0: listening to the compass podcast i'm leah walsh more episodes are coming soon please look for us on facebook in itunes i'd like to thank the following people for their generosity the compass cover art is by kim miller music by brendan spieth audio assistance from nick choksi and a special thanks to frankie j alvarez see you next time